you can have compassion for the individual, but not compassion for what they've turned society into. Welcome back to Mind Matters, everyone. I'm Harrison Cayley, joined as usual by Elon Martin. And today we are interviewing our special guest, David Abramowitz, who has been researching psychopathy and has an interesting taken some interesting ideas based on his last 10 years of research. So we're going to be getting into all of that and specifically some of the myths surrounding um, understandings of evil and psychopathy. But to start us out, David, welcome to the show. And I want to get a bit of the background, a bit of your background from you. So how did you start out researching this topic? What kind of got you into it, you know, compared to what you were doing in your life before? Yeah, my background is actually in finance and accounting. And I was working in a small company in California, actually. And uh, that was where I inadvertently worked with a uh, so-called friend uh, who I subsequently found out uh, was on the, the uh, psychopathic scale. And I discovered that by... Uh, by going actually to an attorney who, when he heard my, my, my stories that I'd been telling him, relating to him, uh, he said, uh, the person you're working with is a psychopath. And it was the furthest thing from my mind. And uh, from then on, I, I had to find out to discover and have been researching for the past 10 years or so, uh, how I could have put myself in a situation like that and uh, how I could be preyed on and, and, and not knowing that I was being preyed on. So, so that actually led me to extensive research. Uh, uh, Andrew Lebachevsky's book was one of the first half dozens that I, that, that I researched because I wanted to get in to it from, from the depths, uh, because I, I wanted to be able to explain this to other people in a, in, in, in a much more, uh, let's say, uh, a, a clearer way, not that uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Lachevsky uh, is not uh, clear, uh, but I wanted it to be, uh, as opposed to a subclinical type text, uh, more for the the, the 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 average reader, so that everybody could be aware of this. Because I was, I come from a, a family that has. Uh, uh, my late father was a gynecologist obstetrician, uh, devoted his life to the the uh, medical service of women. Uh, my other family members are also. Uh, many of them were, were were doctors as well uh and and i i was really concerned that uh if this could happen to me uh the relationships of women who uh, are preyed upon uh have to be absolutely ghastly and i it's from from that perspective that i really wanted to put something out and i've been actually working on a a a, a draft of a book for the last half dozen years or so Mm-hmm. So the 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 book you've sent me some pages of the manuscript. Um, right. I haven't got a chance to read them yet. But this the first of all, what's the what's the working title of the manuscript? 
Okay, so the 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 uh, the, the, the working title uh, uh, it's it's the passive parasitic psychopath. Right. That right. is that is the the uh, least known of 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 the uh, of the psychopathic characters, and unfortunately, they are the ones who are. Uh, all uh, prevalent as uh, Scott uh, Lillenfeld, uh, 1997, said, if you want to see psychopaths, look at the politicians and stuntmen. And he later apologized for that because he realized uh, that he should have been talking a lot more about politicians and pretty much everybody in society. And he, he apologized because they were basically only talking about serial, serial killers. Right. And as Dr. Robert Harris said, and I'm sure you're familiar with this because I know you read his that, uh, that book, he said basically uh, serial killers uh, tragically destroy families, whereas other types uh, tragically destroy societies. Mm -hmm. And what we're going through today uh, is 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 absolute destruction by these uh, uh, what Dr. Hay also calls uh, a, a hidden disease. Uh, it's a it, it's a hiding disease. Sorry, and all of these people uh, they look normal, but unfortunately they are uh, quite pathological. And uh, I know we're gonna we, we're gonna. Well, let me just bring it up now. Doctor uh, Doctor Ian McIlchrist has written two amazing books, and his last book, which is a, a two-volume book, is basically the matter with things: our brains, our delusions, and the unmaking of the world. And most people, like uh, like like perhaps you and I, would think that you know. Delusions. What's what's you know? Delusional people are 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 uh, in uh, in mental hospitals where where they should be. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And uh, it's really uh, del delusional people from top to bottom, whether they doctors or lawyers or in the police force or in politics or absolute. There is nowhere that is a psychopath will not uh, attempt. To, to claw his ways uh, to the top, even if it's uh, at the top of one person, if you know, even if it's only one person that they're preying upon. But uh, our small office was a 10, 15 person office where uh, the person, unfortunately, for uh, nepotistic uh, nepotism basically got him the position, and I was the one to suffer for, for 10 years. Uh, mm. Well, that kind of that leads to the you, you mentioned serial killers and the this yes. kind of this passive parasitic psychopath that's kind of that people probably in the general population aren't really aware of. That leads to yes. the first myth um, that we were planning on discussing today. So that is the the myth that evil or the psychopath besides the serial killer type does not exist. So let's get into that a bit. Um, we've we've probably um, talked about talked about a. We've probably given our take on this in previous episodes at one point or another, but uh, I want to hear your take on it. Um, yeah, get into that. So what? why is this a myth and what should we kind of take away from um, this wider understanding? Well, uh, 
Before I answer that, I just want to uh, mention something that uh, Lubachevsky uh, stresses in his book, and that is compassion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, understanding uh, for, for these people, uh, because it is a, uh, you know, they don't have a broken leg, they have a broken brain, basically, and it's wiring in the brain that's, uh, that is uh, uh, de- de- deficient. Uh, but just uh, even though we need to approach it with compassion, uh, we need to be sure that our compassion doesn't lead to us n- not dealing with the problem because it's an absolutely serious uh, problem. Um, with regards to the the passive parasitic uh, psychopath, uh, everywhere you go, you look, you, well, not everywhere, but where I've been looking, I've noticed numerous uh, articles saying, does the passive, the successful, which is what we're talking about, successful psychopath, the passive parasitic psychopath, do they really exist? It's like, are you serious? So um, what this does, the the, uh, evil, as uh, as we know, is always going to be hiding, and they're always going to be uh, projecting their own uh, deficiencies and insecurities onto others. And uh, if we do not know that uh, that evil exists, if one has not uh, read a little bit of the Bible and seen that uh, we are no different to the uh, the first uh, the, the first murderers. Uh, in the Cain and Abel uh, story, um, then we're going to not be able to see what uh, Lubachevsky is trying is says, which is that individual evil does exist, and if we cannot uh, if we cannot uh, understand that and appreciate it at, at the basis level, then we're going to uh, find that. Uh, it's going to uh, bite us in the, in the you know what essentially. Those are my words, not not his. But I do want to also mention uh, uh, political correctness has not allowed us to talk about evil or psycho- mm. psychopathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the political correctness over the last number of years has been absolutely. Uh, it, it has been never ending, and it has gotten billions of dollars in the. Uh, the the non-governmental organizations to uh, advertise the fact that uh, evil doesn't exist. And if you even mention the word, it's, uh, you know, you're a horrible person. Uh, The fact that we have to call psychopathy sociopathy, which means a completely different thing, uh, is testament to to how uh, how the media is uh, discussing all of the the the, uh, the 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 topics relating to psychopathy as well as as well as to evil. Um, uh, Guggenheim Buell Craig, uh, Adolf Guggen Buell Craig, a Swiss psychiatrist, uh, said uh, years ago in, in an excellent book on eros, uh, the lost the, the soul, something with regards to that. I think it was eros and the soul. Uh, he said that the if you cannot distinguish between a psychopath and 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 another type of leader, that you will basically uh, be destined to be under the foot of that psychopathic ruler. 
something similar to what uh, Lobachevsky has said over the course of his book, but uh, there have been very few people who have discussed uh, the science of evil, and one of them uh, is, as as I think you, I think we might have touched on this as well, on, on uh, the uh, Scott and Pat on his uh, People of the Lie. And if anyone understands evil, it is it was he. And his brilliant book, uh, I, I guess most people aren't familiar with it. They're more familiar with his uh, The Road Less uh, Traveled book. But this book was equally brilliant. And uh, especially that it, uh, it really got into the nuts and bolts uh, of evil and, and was really calling for a science of evil to be established. And it's uh, largely due to uh, people not listening to his calls that we find ourselves uh, where we are today. Yeah, he was around when? I, th I think, did he write that in the 70s? David? 70s or was 80s. That, was it that far yeah. back? It, it was it pretty far back, yeah. But brilliant mm -hmm. book, yes. Yeah. I mean, he basically lays out in four, four, in four, para, uh, four short paragraphs the twenty uh, uh, traits of, of the psychopath that the person who I worked with, uh, I checked them all off. I think I got to nineteen or twenty. I forget if the twentieth one, uh, he could have. Done, I think the twentieth one being lenient, but yeah, I mean, the guy had it absolutely one hundred percent spot on. And uh, we are definitely suffering. Uh, if we can't name the problem, then we're not going to be able to solve it. And mm -hmm. uh, as you know, whoever controls the, uh, the narrative is the one who's going to win. And at this stage, we are losing by uh, a mile or, or two. Well, you mentioned a couple of interesting things there that I want to comment on, David. So the idea that... Um, that we can't even, with political correctness, we can't even really talk about evil. So one of the points that Lobachevsky made was that he was kind of, he was writing, um, well, it was, you know, over 30 years ago that he wrote the book. And right. one of the points that he made was that if we just look at evil in terms of our old moralities and our old kind of religious perspectives, then we'll kind of, we'll, we'll miss the, um, we'll miss something. We'll miss out on actually understanding it in kind of like a, an objective kind of clinical sense. And we'll, we'll miss right. some of the details and we won't be able to do anything about it. Um, because we'll, the, the moral, the moral perspective isn't enough on its own, but today right. we're in, in, it's like we're in an even worse position because we're not even like, even talking about the moral aspect of it is off limits. And, and that the, the PC aspect of it, um, it, in many cases, it's, it seems to be used as a a way of um, justifying what we used to call yeah. evil, right? To to cover it over and to justify it. So we're in uh, the, the situation we're in is much more difficult than it was even just thirty years ago. I'd say. Yeah, it's 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 exponentially. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And if I can just pick up on the point with regards to mor morality, uh, because I write a lot about that and. Um, one of the really interesting things is, and I, I, uh, Adolf uh, Guggenbuehl Craig 
the Swiss uh, psychiatrist that I, I mentioned, mentions the most brilliant thing about uh, morality. And he says that because the psychopath cannot understand morality, they essentially see everything as they take the high, the high ground on morality in every single instance. So imagine that you can't understand what morality really is, and I'm having a conversation with you. And because you don't want to be seen to not be taking the moral correct position, because you don't know what that is, you automatically automatically take the moral high ground. And they, they are often lacking in, in, in love or, or what he calls, I guess, love. He doesn't really... When he uses the word love, it's more like uh, it's more like uh, not not in the in the uh, more in the compassionate types type mm -hmm. sense. But but if, if as you notice, what they've done, they have taken morality on every single issue, and they are the the moral. Uh, uh, they have taken the moral position, and and one can't argue against it, because if you try and even argue uh, against it, they've taken the moral high ground, and they will just come and 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 shut and shout you down. Which, unfortunately, hmm. if I can just mention, the left hemisphere, as Dr. Ian McGilchrist says. The left hemisphere is 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 the hemisphere that has the vocal cords, so to speak. The, mm -hmm. the right hemisphere is very very silent with regards to uh, our, our ability to to talk, and uh, you can notice the whole of the uh, the the folks in Congress who shout the loudest. They would be totally left hemisphere. They have. They have a, a deficient right hemisphere, which basically means that the right hemisphere essentially has a stroke and is not working. So the left hemisphere takes over. And when the left hemisphere takes over, it goes into override. And the left hemisphere, unfortunately, is one place that gives them an extremely um, advantageous uh, position because they're able to be much more vocal than the right, literally the, the folks on the, on the right. And we can see that in, uh, in, in, uh, in our Congress, in our senators, and, and, and in, in life. I mean, the, the folks who are on the streets, the, the flash mobs, they're also uh, of the left hemisphere uh, types, as Lobachevsky calls them, the, the the schizoids and the, and the schizophrenics, right? Uh, the it's the schizoids. I think is that the word he uses? The, yeah, schizoid. Those he he kind of categorizes those as the um, the kind of th theorists and and fanatics more in the intellectual sense, and then uh, right, okay. then like the the activists on the streets would be um, um, well, they'd have they'd have a. Yeah, a mixed bag, but you'd have some spellbinders in there. So some like, you know, some people right. with some some brain damage and some paranoia and uh, right. some demagogues. and Yeah. They were probably brain damaged in his time, but they probably, uh, oh, brain damaged 
not through birth, but brain damage after birth. Is that is that that part yeah, or a mixture? No, that, that that's all possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because today, uh, unfortunately, we have the the women who I had hoped would be. Uh, better leaders than the men, but unfortunately my research has, uh, has taught me to be a little uh, skeptical of that because what we find is the, the borderline woman is per uh, Heather Berlin, uh, Dr. Berlin in the in book, uh, she's a, psych, uh, a neuroscientist, and she says that the borderline woman is exactly the same as the psychopathic man, same brain uh, deformities, but it comes out differently in the in a woman. Hmm. So we've got the borderline woman psychopath, essentially. We have the histrionic woman, and we have basically delusional uh, uh, narcissistic women who are... Uh, to blame for a large part of what we've seen today, activist-wise, because they are more uh, emotional and they are more disturbed. And what we're finding, especially uh, in the uh, the trans movement today, uh, we're finding an exorbitantly uh, dis a, a greater amount of of women who are pushing this whether it's uh, from the schools to to medicalization it it's it's just beyond tragic mm -hmm. yeah that ties into the 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 point you made about the always taking the moral high ground too and it, it seems like just a kind of a perfect confluence of factors so that um especially with a by taking the moral high ground on certain like social issues then of course, you're going to get a, a wide, a wide segment of the population that will get on board behind you, because they they are and see themselves as more compassionate and as an, and and as identifying with the moral high ground, and so and and that will just allow um, with without an awareness of evil, <clears throat> which we don't have because of political cor correctness, then that will just allow these passive parasitic psychopaths, as you call them, to then continue to infiltrate and to continue to kind of gain the um, gain supremacy of, of this movement and of the language that's used and of the and actually having their voices heard over, you know, anyone else's. So, yeah, it's yeah. just a bad situation all around. It's a total takeover from from just so many areas. I mean, it's like and it's some of this has come about almost uh, as a, an ambush. I mean, who would have thought that in 2023, you know, we would be sitting in a situation like we are uh, when you're just going back uh, 25 years or so. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's the perfect storm that uh, we didn't want uh, to have to contend with, but, but, uh, but here we are, and it's bringing people like me out of, uh, out of the woodwork who had no intention of even, you know, talking about this. But uh, I, I just uh, cannot uh, help myself because of the, the total destruction that I've seen. And, and, and COVID just brought us out 
to everybody made it, it, it seem as if, wow, it's like all of the people who are hiding, well, not all of them, but a lot of them came came out. It was like mushrooms. And uh, it's not a pretty sight, unfortunately. Mm -mm. So um, l let's trace your... Um your education in this for a moment, David, because uh, yeah. the, what we understand is that you were working um, for 10 years with a pathological individual that basically right. com compelled and forced you to say, you know, what am I dealing with here? You know, th this guy is making my life miserable. He's, he's illogical. He's irrational. He's always trying to get the upper hand, uh, always... Um, uh, making, you know, making my work and, and, and myself just trying to belittle my self-esteem and my, uh, my own self-value. And, and so, uh, you're dealing with this for 10 years and you're, you're kind of forced to, to face it and, uh, learn for yourself. Just really quick. Was that how long it was? 10 years? Yeah. yeah. 10, 12 years. Okay, ten, twelve years. Yeah, I I did get a chance to read a a bit of your manuscript and and how you illustrate uh, some of the concepts about never admitting to making mistakes and and the righteous indignation, um, and uh, his his profound lack of insight in in the way he would contradict himself and and uh, be illogical about all sorts of requests he he made of you. So, so you, you mentioned a little bit ago that you had spoken to a lawyer who, who said, David, this guy is basically a psychopath who, who you've had to deal with. Right. Yeah. And then, and then what happens? So you, you have to learn about this for yourself because this is part of your, your journey. It looks like right. to me it, in the it's same correct. way that Lobachevsky, um, it seems to me through his, you know, experience in, in university had to figure out, you know, the, how the professor could be such a, a complete illogical pathologizing. Yeah. Influence. And so you did that. And, and so we're, we're all of, because you, you, from the manuscript, you provided the portions. I mean, you're surveying Herbie Cleckley, Dr. Robert Hare, Paul Babiak, George Simon, Lobachowski, I mean, you're looking at everything uh, to to make your Correct. points, right? Correct. So, um, so tell us uh, in broad strokes, maybe what, yeah, you know, what happened? You started collating all of this information. Did you do it with the the um, uh, the the aim of of writing a book, or was this just for yourself? And and then you had this evolution with uh, with the woke. Uh, virus, as you pointed out right. a few minutes ago. Right. So yeah, I mean, if you could paint sure. the picture here of, of your I'll, evolution with all this, because you're 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 an, you're yeah. an accountant, you're a financier. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah, I, I never. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, so w when you have a relationship like this, and when you you don't realize, uh, I, I don't have a narcissistic bone in my body. And when you're preyed upon by somebody who you find out later has a pathology that requires that they suck out your narcissism, that they literally have to suck your energy so that they can 
can can can can can live, uh, because the more one uh, learns about psych psychopaths, because they have an emotional uh, development of maybe a six or ten year old child. Some people even say less than that, and because they their uh, pathological uh, stunting is is so uh, extreme uh, when they get you on a one-on-one -on -one basis in a small office uh, there's an incredible amount of harm that they can do and that's why everybody who leaves these situations says the same thing they say they feel eviscerated and what that uh, evisceration is or eviscerating feeling is it's literally the, uh, the the idea of having lived in a relationship with somebody, whether it's at home or in the office, uh, and you've literally been sucked dry. And unless you've been in one of these uh, situations, it's very difficult to appreciate that because one cannot appreciate the fact that You've been attacked on so many uh, levels. You've been attacked at the psychic level, mental. You've attacked the... Uh, it, it's even a, a, a bodily attack. The way that they come up to you literally to get in your space a few times, to take a suck of air that's as close to you as possible. Uh, one only realizes this once, once, once learned about this. But uh, it's... It, the confusion and the absolute uh, the inability to to discuss this with anybody is 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 an all pervasive uh, a mind f and uh, yeah that's how people basically basically explain it. So what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to go uh, to to the source because I I wanted to get uh, allow people to be able to understand that. So I did go to uh, uh, Labachevsky and I did go to uh, uh, Reed Malloy, uh, whose, whose books, uh, the, the Psychopathic Mind was just, his book, The Psychopathic Mind was just absolutely mind boggling. And the book that he, uh, that he edited and uh, also had a couple of, 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 of his uh, short, uh, short uh, stories in, not stories, but uh, uh, case studies. It was a book, a book of 20 different things. It was the Mark of Cain. And it, it had people from, you know, all, all over uh, from whether it was uh, Melanie Klein or whether it was mm. uh, a couple of the other folks, uh, all, all the, the famous 1950s, 1940s, 1960s, uh, people and that was an absolute uh, mind. Uh, Otto Kernberg and a few others, an absolutely uh, brilliant book as well. And once I was able to go and uh, read that and study that and read that more than once, so really st studying it, uh, I was able to tease out the parts that I thought would be helpful uh, and easier for people to to to, to understand. Uh, obviously, even those without a, a background of psychopathy, 
experience or a medical uh, background. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was, I'm hoping to put together, essentially. In the, and that's why Otto Kernberg was just quite incredible, his book on borderline and on aggression. Uh, so I focus mainly on aggression and psychopathy. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I I went dozens of studies, dozens and dozens of of studies uh, about uh, the psychopath, but unfortunately, the majority of the studies were on the uh, the serial killer type, mm-hmm. uh, and and very few, obviously, about uh, the less aggressive type, so to speak. It's uh, these folks are aggressive; they're just less aggressive compared to this the aggressive psychopath, psycho the serial killer type. Well, and you could say that they're less uh, physically aggressive, but um, their aggression and their, well, you, how would you even, maybe aggression isn't the right word for it, but you could say it's like a, a, a non-physical aggression. It's emotional and, and mental. And it, more covert. It, it, yeah. it is. It is. And and one of the main things that uh, I think Patrick, uh, uh, what is three things he talks about is one of the top ones is, is, is dominance. So if you read the studies, mm-hmm dominance and you know a dominating personality they always have to not only have the last word but they want to actually physically dominate you and that's why they get in your space a couple of times to show who's boss you know just in mm-hmm. case you uh, might have gotten too uh, big for your bridges or whatever they used to say mm-hmm. back in England mm-hmm. <laughs> well um I think that well, based on that and and your and what we were saying before that, uh, th- this last question that it, it leads nicely into the the second myth that uh, that you provided with us, and that is the um, well, this is kind of relating to this relates to the wokeness idea too, the the, the sixty year myth that authoritarian uh, authoritarianism and fascism is only found on the political right and not the left. Um, so yeah, how, how does how does that all work, and how does Adorno fit into it? Well, yeah, I, I've really wondered how uh, the world would look today if the myth of the authoritarian personality uh, not being on the left but only being found on the right uh, would actually have have uh, been told the way it really is, because. Uh, the way that uh, it's been used by uh, in a hundred different ways uh, in the universities and out of universities uh, to once again claim the uh, righteous ground of being able to say that it's only you folks on the uh, on the right who are uh, who are capable of authoritarian and more importantly fascistic behavior because essentially the authoritarian personality the study that they did was the what they called the f score and it was the fascistic score and it was it 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 was as many studies uh, are, are today uh, motivated by the people who, uh, who are doing the studies. And, and this study was done by Adorno and a number of other people. And he was essentially a, uh, 
he, he was from the Frankfurt School, which was called the Institute for Social Research, a Marxist-oriented uh, research center. And when he and a bunch of other guys came to the States, they fled Germany from uh, from Nazi uh, occupation of Germany and, and came to, to, to America. And the, the, they basically were calling anyone who was uh, went to church or synagogue or who was, you know, family-oriented, uh, anyone re relating to that, they called authoritarian and fascistic. And basically, when you read uh, the traits that they came up with, it's if it wasn't you know a Saturday Night Live a skit for uh, you know a a a skit uh, written by one person but talking about themselves, uh, I mean, just uh, projectivity and exaggerated concern over sex that was one of them. Destructiveness, citizen cynicism, the another. Power and toughness, superstition and stereotype, anti-interception, authoritarian aggression, authoritarian submission, and conventionalism. Uh, I like the I like all of them, but the anti-interception is just perfect because if there are any people who cannot uh, who, who are using their feelings and emotions in life. It's the folks that we're dealing with today. Uh, and it's because they're able to, to, to be so successful today, I think, because they've had so much, they, they've denied, uh, they've denied everything and they've accused their opposition of all of their own sins and we've taken the bait and only you know it's like when they came out and were uh the riots over the the summer of love i mean who it was not the the folks on the right who were doing it it was more the folks on the left and it really set us back and very interestingly i know you're familiar with one or two of the studies but Jordan Peterson was just uh, saying, talking about this just the other day, and said that there was a 0.6 correlation between malignant narcissism, which is essentially psychopathy with a few minor differences, and left-wing authoritarianism, which essentially makes left-wing authoritarianism and malignant narcissism the same thing. And... Uh, Unfortunately, we're not very good at uh, at advertising, and uh, it's it's going to take a long time. It's been seven years, seven decades that they've been able to live with this lie. Mm -hmm. So, can you imagine once again if we were on an even playing field, not even saying the left, just an even playing field, and saying yes, left and right are susceptible to authoritarianism uh, behavior. Uh, it, uh... Yeah. Um, uh, well, I've, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. Well, one, I, I find it really interesting that um, 
well this tra- this traditional now understanding of authoritarianism as being um on the on the right i think that adorno and his and his colleagues they really they conflated a whole bunch of different things and in the process um obscured the the real issue which is psychopathy primarily and right. if like some of the traits that you listed like authoritarian um like was it authoritarian dominance or or aggression yeah. or aggression well, well, and well, and well, submission yeah, aggression and submission right so authoritarian submission well um well first of all there's this word um authoritarian like in in Ponderology, Lobachevsky, at a, in a couple places, just he doesn't focus on it, but he he makes a distinction between um, someone like a leader who is authoritative and authoritarian. And so, and if you look at the work of Jonathan Haidt in Moral Foundations and the the basic moral principles that people have, well, authority and respect for authority is a basic um, it's a basic human universal. For the most part, like you, you, of course, you find people like leftists who are anti-authoritarian um, or anti-authority right. in general. But but the across humanity, there is this this thing that we call respect for authority because there there are people who genuinely have um, have authority who act authoritatively and in and that that is not to say that they're authoritarians that they're dictators or some sort uh, of some sort or another. They they actually. Um, you know, make good make good decisions and have a position of authority because they deserve it. And that idea of conventionalism, well, conventionalism is kind of totally antithetical to to the idea of psychopathy, which is a which is not only a tiny minority in in society and humanity, but also at its very root, anti-conventional because it goes against the basic it, it it denies and and um, fights against all of the basic uni- human universals. So you can you can make a case that a large percentage of the population is has this so-called f personality or fascistic personality right. when really there's just just saying really it's just saying well those that's what a lot of normal people are like they have a, a basic respect for authority they submit to authority because they're you know not everyone is designed or or not any not everyone has the personality to be in a leadership position um a lot of most people are comfortable taking uh you know a middle le- uh, like a middle level or a lower level in relation to to an authoritative figure and um so it it completely obscures the uh, obscures what the real issue is which of course is why I like Ponderology and, and Lobachevsky's work so much is because it's he kind of clears all that away and says well no the, that like that's not they they haven't found the real issue here what we need what we need to be focusing on is the you know is this this core nucleus um, out of which everything kind of um, right out of which everything comes? Right. And just following on from that, the uh, <clears throat> the the psychopathic individual <clears throat> is somebody who finds themselves uh, living in a hostile world, living in a world that they can't understand, the laws they cannot understand. So they basically are, and that's what they've done at the moment, they have created a world of their own so that they can live in a world that they can understand. The problem is, it's the uh, opposite of reality. And the uh, psychopathic person 
absolutely abhors authority because they find that something that is restraining. They already feel themselves restrained in the world. But any type of law, any type of authority is, 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 is for them uh, just something that they, they refuse to, to have to obey. And, and that's part of the, the issue with, uh, with that as well. The, uh, the, uh, the inability to appreciate that we need laws because laws are the antithesis of chaos, which is unfortunately the uh, condition that they feel more comfortable uh, living in, order versus chaos. Mm -hmm. Along those lines, uh, there were a few occasions in your manuscript where you uh, address the inner makeup of a psychopath, um, right. a hubristic pride, a, uh, a kind of drive to, uh, to dominate, uh, which we'd mentioned earlier. Um, and a few minutes ago, you mentioned David, this, um, uh, this, you know, your, your, your boss's desire to, uh, steal your narcissism. And, and you, you wrote something like that as well. And it, uh, in my mind, I, I changed the words around to life force or essence or um, right. uh, that, that's how that's how I understood it. And right. and, and as a kind of um, so in, in this discussion of the inner makeup of the psychopath and a few times you came up with these these really interesting insights that I had only ever read anecdotally in other places. Okay. Uh and you know, as a kind of hole in one's being, as a kind of a um, where they can only exist the way they're set up constitutionally by drawing energy and um, it, in the most covert and and malignant and malevolent ways, uh, where a person doesn't even feel it necessarily. It's it's like uh, uh, until they do. Um, yes. So I. Uh, I was wondering if you can, um, if there was any way to elaborate more on those insights that you described about the makeup of, of the psychopath, what drives them constitutionally, and right. uh, and maybe even, you know, um, I, I think, I don't know if I, I don't know, <laughs> I might be confusing you with something else I read recently, but, you know, the capacity for joy and a range of emotions among more or less normal human beings that aren't malignant narcissists or psychopaths, maybe maybe there's some interesting distinctions there too. Right. Well, um, the the way in 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 which the because they see our normalcy as power. I mean, take that for a second. They see our, our being normal as power. Uh, how, how would that be? Uh, why would they see that? Or why would they think that that's power? And when you think about it, it's more, like, more than likely because they realize that they have some sort of deficiency. They don't know what it is, but they're aware that they have something. 
Uh, that's why uh, I think it was Lovacheski also uh, mentioned that they think that they're uh, psych psychiatrists at times. They have, uh, you know, uh, because of special their makeup, psychological knowledge. Right, special psychological knowledge. And the person I dealt with uh, was telling me that, uh, yeah, he uh, he and his wife, they uh, they both are pretty pretty much up in the uh, psychological world, you know, whatever. I don't know how you put it. It's in the book, I think. Uh, but essentially, um, the person you had on, Dr. Haltigan, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, he he uh, he would be. Uh, he would understand because he comes from the, the, uh, the studying uh, uh, Donald Winnicott and, and studying uh, uh, studying Erickson and studying all of the folks who dealt with personality and uh, somebody that I uh, studied quite a lot was somebody who was related to uh, Lobachevsky's uh, work because uh, Alfred Adler, who is one of the Freud, who split from Freud, and he's one of the least known of the folks, uh, Ferenczi, uh, Jung, and, and, and Adler, a lot of people quoted Adler, but because he didn't write books, it was really difficult to, to find a book on, on his writings. And fortunately, after years, I found a book by uh, a, a husband and wife, uh, which I'll remember in a few minutes, hopefully. But essentially, they wrote this brilliant book and the insight. Essentially, his, uh, you know, we all grew up with the, the insecurity complex and security complex. Well, well that, was, that was Alfred uh, Adler. And what he said was that people have insecurity complexes and they spend their whole lives uh, working on um, ways around that and the word that I'm looking for is compensation mm -hmm. and that's basically his his he's he is the father so-called of individual psychology which is actually what Lebowski is I think uh, talking about to a large extent, needing to understand psychology from the from the, from the standpoint of the individual before you can actually step it up and take it to a, a societal level. Mm -hmm. But getting back to your question with regards to uh, to to the nature of of the of the emptiness, unfortunately, when you 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 have a when when you have a stunted growth at, at such a low 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 uh, young age, unfortunately, and I know Lobchevsky also deals with this, um, you fail to integrate uh, properly. And I'll never forget that when that what uh, Eric Fromm said in his brilliant book on destructiveness and aggressiveness. Uh, he said that if you cannot integrate something, 
then you cannot remember what somebody else did previously. So take my work example for, for, as an example. If the person I'm working with doesn't have a, a, a complete integration of his, his psyche, then if I do something for two, three, four, five years perfectly, if I do one thing wrong, they're not going to be able to, it's only that one thing that they can remember. They can't remember that previously I'd actually done 100,000 things correctly. Mm. And that's an incredibly incredible insight. But getting back also to, to, the, to the, 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 the fact that these people essentially need a caretaker. Uh, there's a, a great book on shame that uh, Christine Deville, um, an Irish lady. I don't know if I don't know if you're familiar with her writings. Uh, she's written a number of books, and and she actually uses. I use another word in. in in, in 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 my my writing but she actually uses the word caretaker and that these people literally need a caretaker in life and that when you are in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them whether at work or in, in uh, at home they literally need to leech onto you because they're lacking so much they look like the the uh, the the original, but they're actually an imposter. And if I can can take a break for a second to go to what uh, Dr. Herbert Cleckley said in his third edition, which was an apology. He started off an apology to his uh, right to his audience to his uh, the people he was writing to. And he apologized because he said, apparently I haven't uh, described too well uh, this, uh, this so-called uh, uh, psychopath that I'm trying to put together. And he apologized and he said that it's like trying to explain a, a, a perfect individual, the, the model of, these are not his words, my words, I'm paraphrasing, a sort of model individual who you would uh, put up as the, the the model of righteousness and morality, whatever, but that inside they are completely defective because their brains are not working. They have deficiencies in their brains and that although the exterior looks perfect, the interior is not. And he says, how does one go about explaining this paradox? And I was so pleased to see this, even though it was like years into my reading, because I'd read the first, uh, the 1941 uh, the Mask of, of Sanity by Hervey uh, uh, Clackley, and only found this uh, out later, in some other reading that, that I was doing. But the point was that I was, I was trying to write a book myself, struggling with the exact same problem. It's how do you put something across to people when 
A second later, that person will look extreme, 100% normal. And it's only really when they come to what uh, Herbie Cleckley uh, calls um, a, a schizophrenic integration, uh, disintegration, sorry, that, that happens occasionally. Uh, that one can uh, uh, even come to understand this. Uh, and that's why with, with all of the writings of, of, of uh, Hervey Clerkley and uh, uh, Dr. Hare and Dr. McGilchrist, who comes from this, the same, uh, a completely different angle, but it's the... David, are, are you there? We seem to have lost you. Oh, just oh, hold on. Uh, looks like our connection got uh, mixed up a bit there, David. We, the last thing we heard you saying was that uh, McGilchrist comes at this from a um, yes. from a slightly different yes. angle, but uh, but the same yes. kind of thing. Well, and then we lost you. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So so yes. So McGilchrist comes uh, at it from the uh, from the hemisphere uh, angle. Mm -hmm. But when you put all of this together, we're obviously looking at the same thing, just uh, from from different different view. Right. Uh, Dr. McGilchrist is saying essentially his thesis is that society has become schizophrenic. Those are his words. The book is all about uh, schizoids and schizophrenics. Uh, and Dr. Louis Sass, whose book on uh, which he also based his book on, and which I've also read, on the basically the the, the delusion uh, of of current society, uh, and 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 what Dr. Ian uh, McGilchrist is saying is yeah his thesis I think sorry that was what I was I was saying to you is basically that a society has become schizophrenic. Now, he says, obviously, I'm not saying each individual person is schizophrenic, but it's as if society has become a schizophrenic. And that's why he called the, the subtitle of his latest book is Our Brains, Our Delusions and the Unmaking of the World. And just very briefly, if I may, when information comes into the right hemisphere and then goes to the left, it's first processed in the right, it's then processed in the left, and then sent back to the right where it's reprocessed. And it's the right hemisphere that has gotten, it's another myth, the right hemisphere is the one that was supposedly the, the, the one with, with the least uh, knowledge or information or ability or truth, when in fact it's the right hemisphere that has all of that. And um, basically when the right hemisphere has a, a, a defect in it, or a stroke, the left hemisphere takes over and it's literally narcissistic, parasitic, psychopathic. And that's essentially what we're left with, what, what, we, what we're dealing with today. Uh, so, so I know I didn't get to too much of the of, of, of the energy part, but it, it, it's crucial to note that the per, the people we're dealing with, the psychopathic uh, uh, character, uh, that they have uh, an a, a extreme, they're, they're 
obviously their their empathy is not there. But from the from the actual ability, uh, that's why they're parasitic because they literally cannot do it without somebody as a caretaker. And that's why whether they attach to somebody or whether they appropriate things like we can see today, they've appropriated everything. They've hijacked everything. All they do is they say, hey, great, uh, um, cause A, I'm going to jump in your back and I'm going to make it mine. And that's what they've done. They've done that to... Uh, to Black Lives Matter, they've done that to pretty much everything because that's how they operate. They have to appropriate other people's uh, thoughts, possessions, and 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 the like. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into another myth, David. Um, number three, the myth that we are all equally capable of evil, and you've got the um, the Solzhenitsyn quote, um, which I'll read out as an introduction to this to this myth. The line between good and evil runs not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. So let me hear your thoughts on that. Well, it's a great uh, line. And uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, if anyone knew about evil, then it, it was he. I mean, the Going through what what he went through and surviving that is 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 miraculous uh, in and of itself. But the problem with the, with with a number of things and 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 especially something like this is that it allows um, it allows people to 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 think that everybody is equally evil. And something that I haven't mm -hmm. mentioned that's really important is that good people can only see other people as good. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. And psychopaths only see others as bad. Even if you do good, they will see it as bad because it makes them envious. So there are a thousand different reasons for them to be envious. And what, we've, what we're facing today all over the world is basically uh, self-hatred and the envy, uh, what uh, Nietzsche calls resentment, the resentment on steroids. And the, the origins of totalitarianism uh, are part of what we're looking at, uh, at, at here, even though we've got the uh, the, going through the heart of every human heart is what Solzhenitsyn uh, uh, saw in, in the totalitarian scheme. But what I'm concerned about, once again, is the fact that if we look at and, and, and only think that my uh, I, I'm equally capable of doing evil, Mm -hmm. as are other people, then I'm not going to be able to, to, to see that Lobachevsky says, no, you can have an ideology, an understanding of ideology, you can have an understanding of economics, you can have an understanding of everything, but if you don't have an understanding of the fact that 
if you don't understand it on the level of the individual psychology and 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 how that goes up with the uh, in, in into societies, then you're not going to be under you're not going to be able to miss the fact that evil people exist and that they can mm -hmm. do big, uh, huge damage if and uh, if they are not stopped and if they are elected into offices. Right. Uh, let me give a bit of my thoughts on that. So on the Solzhenitsyn quote. So like you, I, I like I, I like Solzhenitsyn and I even like this quote to a certain degree. Um, yes. And you can see like what he's responding to. So you can take you, you can you can look at this as um, a counter argument to another argument. And that that argument might be that there are wholly good states and wholly evil states. There are wholly good classes and wholly good and wholly evil classes. And that one political party is is totally correct and the other is totally, totally evil. And so obviously that is not true. So in that sense, the the Lobachevsky or, or uh, Solzhenitsyn is saying to to look at each individual. You can say that, oh, no, you know, it's not a whole, an entire state. You'll find, you know, the state that you think is good is has a whole bunch of uh, of people who have succumbed to evil and the the state that is evil might have a whole bunch of people who have retained their their goodness, and um and and same with political parties, and that's a a good insight. But where where he fails is to take that even further, and to say that well, based on based on that looking individually, like you say, some people objectively are a whole lot more evil than other people. Some people are capable of a whole lot more evil than other people. This is one of the insights that that I wrote about in the introduction to Ponderology, based on kind of like um uh, Milgram and and Christopher what's his name's book you know ordinary men on um on some of the you know the, the Nazi ex, uh, like extermination execution yes. squads and what I you find is that today, funnily enough, yeah, yes there's a there's a variation so if you take a, if you take any 100 people and put them in the same situation you're going to get some that are that like will, for instance, totally refuse to hurt another person. Some that just go along with the crowd, and some who are like, "Yeah, I I like this. You know, let me do more of it." You're going to find that individual variation, and so uh, that's like the third step that Lobachevsky, or that sorry, I keep mixing them up. That Solzhenitsyn doesn't take in that quotation, um, because and there's that aspect of pro of of projection because solzhenitsyn as a very like wise and introspective person he could and and from the situations that he was himself placed into he could see his own capacity for evil he could see the forces acting on him that would cause him to go against his conscience or he could see it in the people around him like the people in the camps around him who succumbed to um you know to to that just just out of the the out of basic survival to 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 go against what they might have done, might what they might not have done in um, more favorable circumstances. So he could see that, but at the same time, that that introspection um, leads to this kind of, like you said, it's an it's a um, an unfortunate projection of that onto everyone else, and kind of neglects neglects to see that there that there are some individuals objectively who. Don't need that much of a push. That much of a push at all. That's kind of like their default mode. Their default state of being is to be right. the ones giving the orders. The ones that are kind of, um, um, you know, evil by by habit and by nature. Right. And yes, well, the, the folks that we're dealing with don't need uh, a, a, a second chance to. Uh, 
to pick and choose from different things what they uh, like. And once again, because they control the media and the news outlets, they 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 can um, they they can repeat as as often as possible uh, the parts that they like about things and not talk about other parts. And we've we've we're always going to have that uh, that problem. And, and and that's the part of the problem that this once again uh, hides the fact that evil is not a, a a unitary dimension or you know it's given out just like I just like I didn't ask for system when I came out here I didn't ask for evil either and when I came down to earth and uh, so I'm lacking in both those 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 departments. Um, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it, 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 my, I just don't have a narcissistic bone in my body. And the fact that people may read this and say, well, you know, I, I, I could, I, yeah, I could be better. Uh, I could be a little better. Maybe I am a little on the evil side, you know, and they have no idea of what real evil pathological uh, narcissism uh, is. So the, the equating of the, the two uh, could be problematic. And that's where I see all these, you know, these, these, these wonderful things that are, are in, in the history books. Uh, it's interesting uh, to know what uh, other things might've been in the history books had some other people written, written the, the, uh, these sayings into, into history. Mm -hmm. Well, myth number four is very similar, um, touches on some same things. The myth of the aphorism that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, based on our previous, you know, what we just said, we yeah. can kind of, we can kind of uh, get the same idea, but do you want to expand on that one at all? Yeah, I do want to expand just a little, uh, be because the the problem with this is that it's 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 obviously it's it's correct, but mm -hmm. it's only half or a third of the story, and the rest mm -hmm. of the story is that it's corrupt people who seek power. I have no once again another thing I forgot to ask for was a desire to have any power over anyone or anything. And when you read about um, pathological power, it's like chalk and cheese. It's like I absolutely have zero desire to, uh, for, for that. And part of the problem here is that we miss the fact that corruption is 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 is, uh, is in the sentence. But it, it, it makes it as if, well, if you were in that position, you would have been as corrupt as I was. And that hides the fact that psychopaths, if, if they're one thing, they're corrupt. And they're corrupt, whether they're in a political office, it's not 100%, but a large percentage of uh, 
the reason why we have a dysfunctional government at the moment, uh, where we've actually had uh, supposed to have Congress uh, making the rules, but uh, I don't know what, when last they've done anything because they passed the buck because the, the powers that be uh, refused to have any responsibilities. So they've passed it on to uh, various uh, different officers who, who make the, the, the decisions. But corruption is as close to uh, psychopathy as is power, the, 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 the lust for power. And if one hasn't uh, studied about this lust, uh, it's, it, it's, quite, uh, it's quite something. And one of the reasons that these people must have power, even if it's in a small office, they need to claw themselves up because they can't do it by merit. So by clawing themselves up and by sucking up to the higher ups or whatever it is, or by being put in positions of power, and the reason they have to do that is because they are unfortunately incompetent. And they're incompetent not for any uh, uh, fault of their own. If you study the brains of psychopaths, they have decision-making uh, uh, deficits. They have judgment uh, deficits. They have an inability to learn from experience. And they have another 20 different uh, equally um, a, a de de deficiencies that makes their, them only uh, able to hold an office by projecting power that they don't have. Remember, these are empty imposters and they don't really have the power. So they have to project the power and that's how they get things done by getting people uh, like me to do the work, and by uh, by 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 uh, sorry, I just want to come back to a couple other things. They have no ability to have a look at things in proportion. They have no context. Their time, their their time. They have a a complete and utter dysfunctional uh, sense of time. So they can only see the 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 present. They can't see the future and they can't see the past. We can see the future a little bit, but they can't see the past at all. And they, this, this time deficiency is, that's why they say people have been involved with, with psychopathic in, 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 in individuals. It's as if they jump around with regards to, to how they, they behave. It's like, First, they, you know, then like this and then like that. It's not only that they're different people, uh, but that they have extreme, uh, their memories are also uh, something that are defective and they have extreme difficulty um, with time. So they have a tremendous amount of, uh, of, of other issues. So between the, the power and the corruption, uh, I feel that that is lost in this, uh, it, it, in this, and that it, once again, that it it it, it, it equates everybody, uh, and uh, yeah, it's that's that's no, about that's about it. Um, 
Well, did you, were there any, um, were there any other ones that you wanted to focus on? Um, cause I mean, j- just so viewers and listeners know, uh, you know, right. David's got a, a whole list of, uh, well, yeah. two lists of, and a lot of them are in his book. Um, but there's no way we're going to get to Have all of them. So are, are there any other ones? Evil. Sure. That's the last yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, I'm just saying today, the, the book that I also can't remember that I was having a look at today, I was having a look at partially because I was trying to get some, do some research on, uh, Hannah Arendt's, uh, uh the banality of evil, uh, she she was uh, at uh, Eichmann uh, Eichmann's trial in at Eichmann's trial in Jerusalem, and uh, she wrote an article and then a uh, and then a, a book. Uh, so basically, it's the uh, sorry Eichmann. Give me one second. I'm trying to get Eichmann in Jerusalem: a report on the banality of evil. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's what it was, was called. Um, and uh, what I discovered over the last couple of weeks is that a lot of has been written pro and con this uh, this comment that has basically uh, it, it's it, it's it, unfortunately it's it's been mostly taken uh, in 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 the wrong uh, in, in the wrong sense because what uh, what 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 she was really trying to say, even though I disagree with her, uh, is, is that it was the thoughtlessness. That was what she meant, the banality. So she, you know, banal is can can be you know uh, unoriginal, whatever. But what she specifically meant, apparently, was the un uh, uh, the the unthoughtfulness of uh, of of Eichmann. And and uh, it, quite honestly, I'm I'm going to have to uh, take. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Claudia Muscovici. Mm-hmm. She's re- researched psychopath psychopathy for the past twenty years, and she's written a book. And that's why I was doing some research today, doing a book about uh, seventy uh, three page or whatever it is. Uh, conversations or other people's work on on, on the Holocaust, Holocaust, and one of them was uh, the the comment, obviously, about Hannah Arendt's uh, banality of evil, and uh, Claudia Moscovici uh, confirmed what I thought about Eichmann, in, and that is that he was a psychopath, and the reason why he was a psychopath is for the following reason. His remoteness from reality, his actor-imposter sense, he could not accept responsibility, he had shallow effect, meaning that he didn't have any, didn't have a conscience, he had no remorse or guilt, and far from being a thoughtless, he had many thoughts, such as genocide. His inability to think uh, or remember, uh, perhaps reminds me of, on so many accounts, reminds me of certain people who've come uh, come up and uh, been investigated uh, as to their work or whatever, and have had to either claim the fifth 100 
50 times or to say, I don't remember. And uh, a number of those people who we've seen in, in our uh, very uh, recent past uh, are probably psychopathic themselves. So uh, getting back to the banality of evil, the problem with that is that it makes people think that uh, what she was saying was that um, that evil is 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 banal, but what she was just what she was trying to say there essentially was that Eichmann, because of the way he came across as what we today would be able to say was psychopathic, which she didn't have the benefit of the last sixty years, whatever it is, fifty years. Um, so she saw him from a very narrow point of view. And even though she, you know, she's written magnificent, brilliant books on totalitarianism and everything, uh, psychopathy is, a, is, a, is, as I think you folks and I know, is, is quite a different animal, even when it comes to writing about totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. Yeah some of the like interpretations of that quote that I've seen are kind of like the impression I get from uh, the impression I get of what a lot of people take that to mean is kind of like, Oh, well, if you just take, um, um, you know, any bureaucracy and then you've got just this, this bureaucrat paper pusher and, um, and put in the right situation, that paper pusher will be just as likely to, you know, to approve the deaths of, you know, 100,000 people as he would be to, you know, approve the purchase of 100,000, you know, pencils or something. And it's just, uh, it was just that kind of robotic, um, bureaucratic uh, mindset. But like, like what, what you're saying, it's that that's not, that's not exactly, not that's not even exactly what she meant. Um, but what she was seeing was more of the, the robotic, conscienceless nature of what real evil looks like. And, and you see this in Robert Hare's works. Um, and th this is more to do with the criminal kind of like serial killer type psychopath, but in conversations in prison with these types of guys, they will speak about their like horrific crimes that would make a lot of people vomit. If they heard about them, they speak about them just matter of factly. So they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, I did this to, to that person and then did this to their body. And, you know, while their while their children were watching and and then I got, um, you know, I went to their fridge and had a sandwich, um, you know, and and they, they speak about it as if it's just this totally banal, normal, everyday thing. But the disconnect is that that's they're speaking about something that would for an ordinary person totally, you know, put them off their lunch or, you know, traumatize them for life. Um, that's the weird banality of like psychopathy. Um, Correct. Yeah. And uh, the, with regards to the, um, just getting back to what you just said, Kent uh, Kill and his magnificent book, the Psychopath Whisperer, uh, which I think you might've also read. Yep. I'm not sure. I read, I had read one of your maybe references or naming. His uh, mention of Shock Robin, was you might not remember was uh, one of the gentlemen there who wanted to do exactly as you described there wanted to shock the person he was called shock robin mm. his name's robin 
And yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to shock us the whole time. They want to see how we react with our reactions are for them. They have no reactions. They want to have a look and live vicariously through our uh, reactions. And that's why, unfortunately, they have to uh, be active, whereas a narcissist can uh, have them, you know, F you in his mind, the psychopath, unfortunately, has to do that through actions. And uh, yeah, a- a- absolutely. The, um, that, that is definitely uh, one, one of the problems that, that we have with so many of these things, like the banality of evil, uh, popularized as... as uh, as it is, because it, it once again, uh, as you mentioned, robotic is left hemisphere. R- right hemisphere is alive and new. Left hemisphere is robotic and systematized and unfeeling. And that's exactly what we have today, unfortunately. Uh, with, with what we're dealing with and uh, the fact that these myths are not uh, more widely discussed uh, as we're trying to do now uh, is a problem because uh, quite honestly, unless we can put a little dent into some of these myths so that they can come down to the individual and come down to as they really are, then it's really going to be very difficult to uh, to educate the public mm-hmm. uh, uh, about evil. Uh, I mean, the only way that we can do it these days is uh, thank God for 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 uh, podcasts like like you folks because uh, it's the only way that we have a chance of uh, of getting this out there, but it's just, if I can just mention the last thing, uh, I just discovered uh, John Euler, he's a psychologist, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's spent 14, 15 years dealing with sex offenders in uh, in, in prison, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sex, sexual deviants in, in, in prisons. And what he talks about with regards to the the furries, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the furries, the folks who dress up in animal suits, mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh, the the transing of of the kids today, uh, it's just uh, it's just quite uh, in, in, in incredible. And as as we're talking about evil, it's unfortunate that even people like uh, Dr. McGillcrest who's studied this for 30 years and spent 20 years writing two of his last books, 2,000 pages between them. He's only coming out now, and I guess because he's a psychiatrist, he doesn't want to talk too much about evil, but even he's saying it's time to act. You've got Jordan Peterson talking about the the dark tetrad, and he's taken, you know, for me to say, I mean, his brilliant work. He had even he has been a little uh, low to to talk about evil until the last six months. I've, I've noticed 
now that there are a couple of, you know, the tetrad, the, the, the sadistic, the sadist, as well as the psychopath and the, uh, the Machiavellian and the narcissist. He, he now is, 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 is talking more about that. And, and even a, a lady I'm going to give a mention to because she's doing such great work, uh, Dr. Grossman, Miriam Grossman, I believe, she ended off the last podcast I, 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 I watched with her with the word evil. And she is in the trenches struggling to try and give the parents of today, the young parents of today with teenagers who are caught up in this contagion, trying to give them some sense and trying to give them some forewarning and her book that she's going around, and you'll probably see shortly if you haven't already, is Lost in Trans Nation, is a, a really great topic and just really sad that one has to uh, call one's book that. But uh, yes, she understands, if, she, if anyone understands evil in the psychiatric uh, community, it, it is she. And unfortunately, more people are going to have to talk about it. It's not, once again, as I started off, it's not something that you're better than another person. It's that if you don't talk about the truth, if you don't call it something, even with the most incredible compassion that one can, you can have compassion for the individual but not compassion for what they've turned society into. Mm -hmm. And unless more people start talking about that, it's going to be uh, a tough, uh, a, a tough next uh, few years. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think that was a, a great closing statement, David. So thank you. Thank you so much for having this discussion with us. And um, yeah, we'd be glad to do it again sometime. Maybe cover some some more of the stuff in your book when uh, um, when we have a chance to to take a, a deeper look at it. That would be wonderful. I look forward to doing that. Okay. Thank you, well, gentlemen. Take care, take care Thank David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.